The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum and a very, very hearty warm welcome to you to the Urban Cube show brought to you on Inspire FM this morning. Time is 10 o'clock, Monday 7th of October and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock. We've got another jam-packed show today with great conversations, with inspiring trailblazers, inspiring you in so many different capacities this morning, from climate change to fundraising to virtual reality. Yep. And also... We're going to be talking about um, anti-bullying on the show today because it is World Anti-Bullying Day. Now, the show you're listening to is The Urban Cube, but we are Facebook Live this morning. However, um, it's a no guess in the show, folks. It's all uh, it's via phone. And but please take this opportunity to get involved with any of the conversations that we're having with these absolutely awesome guests. Now, I have a number of guests, not one, not two. I've got literally about four, four guests in this over the phone this morning. So it's going to be lots of conversations that are being had. And inshallah, we're having a competition giveaway as well for a very exciting concert that I actually spoke to you about last week, if you're listening into the show. Now, if you ever miss any of the shows, you can catch the repeat at uh, 8pm, or you can go onto the Facebook live. Um, Facebook page, let me say that correctly, Facebook page, you can scroll back and um, on the Inspire FM Facebook page and catch any of his shows there. And we also podcast as well. And you can go onto the Inspire FM web page. It's so much, so much going on um, uh, to talk about this morning. But before I um, continue, I want to ask how your weekend was, guys. I hope it went well. Kind, Kind of intriguing weather. Hot and cold, hot and cold. Are you actually pulling out your jumpers? We sure are in the house. It did feel like winter. The heating was on. The woolly jumpers, woolly socks were out. Um, But uh, I don't know how long it lasts because the weather is so unpredictable. But um, I hope you're keeping warm wherever you are this morning. And do tell me where you're actually listening from. You know, I'm always curious. Um, Maybe you're listening in from Nottingham this morning because my next guest is um, a very delightful brother who is joining me to talk about a charity that he is the fundraiser for. And this is the Salam Charity. Now, um, we've you may recognize the name. It's Zidane Qureshi. He has, he has been a regular on the show sharing his wonderful work with this very exciting charity. Now, I, la- yes, well, not yesterday. It does feel like yesterday. Last week was uh, talking about Echoes of the Beloved, which is is a charity dinner tour and we were giving away tickets for that. Um, still have a ticket available for one person and we're going to be throwing a competition across uh, the show this morning. Now the Echoes of the Beloved is a charity dinner tour and um, it is it features not one, not two, but three very exciting Nasheeth artists from Mesut Curtis, Ahmed Rabani and Muad. You had the pleasure of listening to Ahmed Rabani's first single last week. We didn't get a chance to hear him before um, interview him, but inshallah, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity to do that um, at a later date. But without further ado, um, be Fabulous to actually hear from the man who has organised this event, who's helping to give away a ticket, no other than Zidane Qureshi. Assalamu alaikum, Zidane. 
How are you, Shumaita? I'm very well, brother. I'm very well. Um, how, are you in Nottingham this morning? I am, yes. Today I am. Today um, you are. Uh, how's the weather yeah. keeping there? You know what? It's all right. I don't, I don't get down about the weather. I like, I like autumn a little bit, actually. Uh, it's not so bad. I love summer, but it doesn't, to be honest, it doesn't really get me down. I like the rain. Nice. Do you know what? Autumn is my favourite season. I absolutely yeah. love the process of the uh, the leaves falling, the beautiful autumnal colours. It's quite inspiring. It's very lifting. And I'm very inspired by this process of where, you know, dropping dead leaves and regeneration. Very soulful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it brings about some change and reflection to yourself as well, actually. Mm. Um, it's, it's a nice time of year. And I've, like, I know it rains a lot this, this month or this, this season, but there's so much butterfly in rain. So you can't really complain about it, to be honest. No, we mustn't, should we? But we are going to be talking actually a little bit um, about climate change and the rain um, with mm-hmm. a very exciting young lady, a local lady by the name of Zanera Malik, who is actually mm-hmm. um, part of a, a fantastic educational program around climate change. Now, coming back okay. to yourself, Zidane, um, I want to ask you, Goose Fair. Mm-hmm. Do I swear? No, Goose Fair. Did you, it's, oh, it's, it's my childhood memories of growing up in, in Nottingham was goose, Nottingham, October goose means goose fair. So for folk that yeah. are listening in, um, if you don't know what the goose fair is, it's actually a massive big uh, fairground. Sorry? Europe's largest travelling fair. Oh, yeah. I better get that right. Europe's largest travelling fair, um, which mm-hmm. is held in, uh, is it still the Forest Recreation Ground in Nottingham? Is, and yeah. loads of childhood memories of going out with um, my family and um, attending Candy that. Glass, mushy peas, donuts. There's crazy rides. Oh my god, they just fling you everywhere. It's really, it's a lot of fun. Still. Honestly, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It brings out the child in all of us, and we're never too old to sit on one of those rides. I don't think so. Did you go down, Zidane? Um, I've been out of the city, so I came back today, um, last night, and I was in, I was in, where was I? Slough and London over the weekend, and then Bradford and Huddersfield as well. So I was on two different ends of the country. Um, not in Nottingham, so I couldn't make it this year. Oh, but I'm sure you can catch up next year. Me. Now, um, Zidane, you've been you're travelling across the country, um, doing some tremendous work with Salam Charity. There's this fantastic tour. Um, has the tour started? Uh, so, inshallah, the first day is on. Oh, it's ten days from now, so 17th of August, mm-hmm. and it starts off in Glasgow, um, and then we head down to Manchester, then to Bradford, then to. Then to Bradford, after Bradford, we go down to London mm-hmm. and then Slough and Birmingham, inshallah. Now, talk to me about the importance of this tour. What are you aiming to do um, from, you know, attendees participating? What do you help? It's a fundraising tour. Nine, nine months to the public, really. And we thought, actually, let's kind of bring everybody together and all our supporters, those are supporters over the the course of Ramadan, before Ramadan, and now, and let's try and create a nice family-friendly environment. Bring some great artists that we've got good rapport relations with, and celebrate Nasheed, um, with regards to the beloved, and and really just unite everybody for one common goal, and that's to build. We're building a village mm-hmm. in um, Bangladesh. Okay. 
and this village will uh, serve more than 500 people inshallah so it'll be a huge complex with housing built on there with, with a huge academy with the library with a mosque with playgrounds uh, for the children with uh, we're providing health care so we're also providing um, facilities and spaces there where people can train we can deliver workshops um, so there'll be quite a lot happening on this village and we just want to build that village there for not only the people of Bangladesh that are living way below the breadline bread mm-hmm. but also hopefully seeing if you know, there could be some transition for the Rohingya refugees going across as well and actually making use of, of this. You've mentioned the Rohingya refugees. That would be absolutely tremendous if they were able to have somewhere they could call home. Um, and are you working closely with the Rohingya refugees in trying to provide um, support and and and, and yeah, just settlement? So we, work in, we work on the ground there with our own. So it's not through any third party or anybody like that. It's actually through our own staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just opened a... We're working in Cox's Bazaar. Um, so there's quite a few charities that are working out there as well. Um, we're working alongside them. There's quite a few programs that we've set up. So we've literally just opened up a brand new medical clinic. Marshall. And we launched that this month. Um, mm-hmm. So the director's flown out and we're doing a proper launch, inshallah, in December. But it's all active. Um and that would be providing uh, semi-maternal care. It would be there'd be a lot of. Um, I think I haven't got the full breakdown of what that clinic will be providing just yet. Mm-hmm. They've gone there to see actually what we can do. There'd be two days. I think there'd be doctors there, and then the rest of the days, we don't want it to be sat there empty. So we're actually thinking, what else can we do with that? And now we're looking at again delivering so many different types of workshops and training programs, mm-hmm. um, helping people to actually try and alleviate them or get themselves out of the cycle of poverty rather than just of always course. waiting for for handouts. Now, when you talk about ideas, brainstorming, getting ideas on the table, you've actually um, broadened this across the country, haven't you, by getting young people to come together and share their ideas in charity, um, fundraising and voluntary work. Um, you had a, uh, you also neck did this in Luton. What was that experience like? And, and uh, did young people and members of the Luton community come forward? Yeah, Alhamdulillah, Luton's really quite nice, you know, I liked it. I mean, we've still got about at least eight to ten volunteers based in Luton alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started off very small. Only, t- I think the first volunteer meeting, only two people came. But that's all you need and that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Just one person, two people to rock up at a meeting and just find out what it's about. And then from there, word just starts to get out slowly, slowly. They told their friends, they told their families. Other people start getting interested about what they're doing or what they're involved in, the opportunities that are being provided for them. Um, and then more and more people end up signing up and joining. And it's quite nice. I like it. We're doing, we started off with a very small, I think, a henna workshop back in January, February time. And, um, and we had one um, of the uh, workshop leaders, I believe, um, join the show. Yeah. I think they participated, um, led the workshop, which was really quite fascinating yeah, to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, they led the workshop. So how can people get involved if they want to be a volunteer with your um, charity? Um, literally just go to visit slamcharity.org mm-hmm. forward slash get involved. Um, there are so many opportunities. I mean, I know people don't volunteer for the sake of gaining something for themselves. It is mm-hmm. about giving back. But by default, and it is by default, 
so many doors end up opening up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've just sent volunteers out to Indonesia. We've got more volunteers going out. We've got another volunteer right now in Palestine. Um, we've had some go to Pakistan. We've got more volunteers go to Bangladesh. Wow. Next year, we've got some more opportunities as well for deployments to Somalia, Turkey border. Um, we've got plenty of challenges to get involved in, so Marrakesh Marathon, Palestine Marathon. Uh, we've got these events that we need help organizing. And there's loads of obviously it's not just me that's organizing it, there's a whole team of people and this is all being done by volunteers as well. Um, we just had a volunteer meeting in Bradford yesterday um, where eight to ten volunteers rocked up and I mean they're so helpful, so supportive um, to the cause and it's just nice to see people with like-minded views, opinions and people that want to achieve something good and bring about some sort of positive change come together in one place and, uh, and just share ideas is just really nice. and then actually those ideas fulfill them through and take them through into actions as well so you you're know, making really... the possible um, the impossible possible and the reason why i'm you saying impossible to possible is because it's actually world anti-bullying day i don't know if you're aware of this oh, really? um zidane and bullying unfortunately is is quite prevalent in so many different environments it could be we normally associate that with school, um, but it also can be in the working environment. You can even be in yeah. your own home. Um, and yeah. it does impact individuals' confidence um, and their ability to kind of feel motivated and and just feel as if they're, they they have a value. You belong to a community and have a support network wider than what it is. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but what was interesting this morning on the Rise and Shine show, um, a quote was sent in by a wonderful, wonderful um, guest to Brother Tarek. And it said that if you find it impossible, um, sorry, there's no such thing as impossible. It should read as I am possible. I am possible. And that's very inspiring. Um, and um, and if, if you are somebody listening in and you're finding it difficult, it is possible to get out um, of this situation by talking, by speaking to somebody. Even in a school environment, there is, young people's lives are so greatly impacted by bullying. But there are there is a support network there. Um, it's just making sure that young people are aware of this and they're actually speaking to the right people. Um, what's your thoughts on um, uh, World Anti-Bullying Day? Do you think it's something important that needs to be recognised, um, Zidane? I mean, I know there's a lot of, like, you know, world days and different types of days um, that happen all year round. And I think sometimes, although we try to do something good by actually making you know, picking a, a day to make it significant where everybody kind of talks about that issue. Because there's, I think, sometimes so many days, again, it's, it sometimes loses its value as well. Interesting. Like, oh, okay, there's another day, there's another day, there's, mm-hmm. there's will this day, will that day. And I think it starts, I think it's gone down the route of trying to lose that, you know, the, the, the value, you know, mm-hmm. even though the issue is so important and so great. Mm-hmm. Because, it's, I, I don't know, that's what I feel. I think sometimes it can just be that way. I think, there's, I think there's a lot, I don't know, we need to think of more ways of probably trying to actually bring this subject to the table mm-hmm. and having discussion points and actually doing something about it and having open dialogue and, I don't know, case studies, stories, and films, theatre, 
there's so many different creative ways of mm-hmm. raising awareness of issues of this importance. Um, because it impacts. What that is, how that mm-hmm. is, I have no idea right now. Mine is starting to tick already. <laughs> with so many different things, just even looking around that. I mean, even to be honest, as touching on it now, I would, I would love to see whether we could even get involved mm-hmm. um, as a charitable organisation mm-hmm. in projects like this. What can we do? Because we work in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can we do as an as an organisation to actually highlight this issue and and try one way or another address it or create another avenue or a platform, even if it's in pockets of society, the pockets mm-hmm. of communities. Mm-hmm. What can we do as an organisation to get people out from the current current place, current toxic environment, mm-hmm. and give them something else to kind of concentrate on and bring them out of that. For example, volunteering is one of them. Of course. Um, but there's many other things that we can potentially do. So it'd be quite interesting for me to actually bring this back to our team as well. Like, you know, well, I'm glad that the show's inspired that. So World Anti-Bullying Day yeah, has worked because me talking yeah. about it has got you thinking um, um, and inshallah, yeah, what something do? what your project, your work can do because it's always trying to be innovative, isn't it? How do you remain innovative? How do yeah. you remain uh, with the finger on the pulse? Some projects are actually kind of really reflect society. It doesn't society. have to just be through mm. dialogue. It, mm. could be through, it could be through theatre. It could be through mm. flash mobs. It could be through dance. It could be through so many. It could be through spoken poetry it could be so many different ways that we can actually raise awareness about it and it's about me now connecting the dots with yeah, the because anyway, bullying um is it comes in so many different forms um this is you know from cyber bullying gang violence is bullying um you know child abuse is bullying it's like it's there's so many sp- spectrums of this um and i feel it is important to kind of talk it about it and to actually educate the younger generation in schools and remind uh, of how to tackle this it, it, because it ruins people's lives yeah. and also and, and even ask them ask those that actually go about doing this the bullies mm. themselves mm. As in, why? Mm. You know, just a simple question as to why. What is the satisfaction well, of seeing? Well, the suggest uh, the uh, research has suggested that it is because those individuals have faced some form of trauma in their life, and this this is how they kind of um, tackle or um, or hit back. Unfortunately, yeah. so they are. We, we we wouldn't want to associate them as being a victim, but unfortunately, this mentality and this way of behaviour does stem from some form of negative um, experiences that they faced as well. Now, folks, if you're listening in to Inspire FM, this is the Urban Cube show. The time is 10.18 and I'm Shamiza taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock. On today's show, I have the pleasure of speaking to Zidane Qureshi, who is um, from Salam Charity. He's a head fundraiser and man with many innovative ideas in keeping young people um, and the public engaged with some really exciting charitable events um, which are core to the um, essence of Salam Charity and their values. Now Salam Charity is giving away um, a pair of tickets that I announced last week um, for this very exciting tour with the aim of building a village um, in uh, Bangladesh. Now uh, there are three artists that are actually performing at the concert um, or the tour, the charity family dinner tour, which is running across the country and they are featuring, um, do you want to tell us who they're featuring, Zidane? 
Um, yes, yeah, sure. It's um, Masoud Curtis. He's flying in from Macedonia. Um, it's nice. I guess we've got a nice balance between the artists because mm. they're all three different languages. So Masoud will be performing in, in Arabic. And he'll be flying in uh, from Macedonia. Ahmed Rabani will be performing in Urdu, Punjabi. Mm-hmm. Um, he's local from Birmingham. And then Muad from Yemen. Uh, originally, as in background from Yemen, but he's also uh, British-born. And uh, he'll be performing in English. So English, so, Arabic, uh, Urdu and Punjabi, uh, a real eclectic yeah. mix. So there's something for everybody uh, who participates. Yeah. And um, what is it about um, the artists that you have? Did you choose the artists when you're actually trying to creating concerts like this? Yeah. Um, is it a unanimous yeah. decision or do you pick from a hat? Um, How do you do it? We we kind of just again we put it to the volunteers. Mm-hmm. So we have like meetings, we have group chats, we find out who likes who, what do we what what do they want to do, put it back to them. Um, you know, when it comes to volunteers, we don't just say to them, okay, this is what we're doing. You guys need to go out, mm-hmm. push it, promote it, and help you organize it. No, it's like actually, what do you want to do, mm-hmm. and how shall we organize? What we want to, we've got a, a month in the diary, we've got a spare. Well, how shall we fill it? What can we do with that? And then people suggest loads of different things. Moad came from some, another volunteer. Okay. I hadn't even heard of Noah, who he was. She rec- she said, you know, I've, I've kind of heard him, he's really good. I YouTubed him, he was great, but got him on board. Ahmed Rabani, um, I can't, I think I was a staff member who uh, told me about Ahmed Rabani, and then he did something with us before, and he was amazing, especially live. He was so good, honestly. We we had the pleasure of um, playing one of his singles, and I was actually waiting around um, on the line, waiting for him yeah. <laughs> for his to interview yeah. him. But um, unfortunately, we weren't able to make that happen. But inshallah, we will do because it was really quite refreshing to hear him performing in uh, Punjabi, and it's not something that I often hear. So having a young yeah. person actually uh, performing in his own mother tongue, which is really quite inspiring to listen to. And they've all got. Um... It's good timing as well. It kind of completely happened by fluke, but they've all released either a brand new album or a brand new single, uh, literally, uh, you know, three weeks from from now. Fantastic. Uh, they've launched it. So they're all performing them first time live. Ah, uh, so that's a real well. treat that for listeners. Good. So, yeah. folks, the yeah. question I have for you guys is: name me one of the artists that's actually performing on this uh, concert tour, which is actually heading all the way across the country. It's called Echoes of the Beloved Charity Dinner Tour, and um, the first date is 17th of October in Glasgow, 18th of October in Manchester, 19th of October in Bradford, 23rd of October in London, 24th of October in Slough, 20. 5th of October, Birmingham, and doors open at 6pm. And we're giving away a pair of tickets. So do tell us, folks, name one of the artists that's performing. And um, in order to do that, you need to WhatsApp us on 07779 Um It's uh, Zidane, how can people yeah. contact you if they want to attend this event, if they haven't won a pair um, of tickets? If you haven't, uh, they can Instagram us at Slam Charity UK. Mm-hmm. They could either go to our website, slamcharity.org, um, or they could give us a call on 020-3137-7093. But I think the easiest things would be either Instagram us at Slam Charity UK or just visit our website, slamcharity.org. 
Thank you so very much, Zidane, for joining us this morning and sharing the uh, fabulous work that you're doing and this competition um, giveaway as well, courtesy of you guys. It's, uh, uh, as always, a real pleasure to hear the wonderful work that you're doing and I hope people will connect with you, especially the volunteers who want to kind of develop Thank their skills. Thank you so much, honestly, for having us on. It's always a pleasure um, and it's always nice to kind of bounce and share ideas and You've kind of given me something else to think about as well, which is even better. Um, and for your, for your next guest as well, I know she's talking, coming on and talking about the environment and climate change and stuff like that. Um, I mean, that did trigger something in, my, in, in our head, just to kind of let you know as well, that even as charities, we have these events with pins, mm. tickets and flyers and everything like that. Um, we also go, we made this decision a few months ago that we're going down the route of actually just printing on recycle. Like, what Fantastic. difference can we make as an organisation? Mm-hmm. Um, so even ourselves, little things like changing how we print, mm. um, going down the recycle route, not having balloons anymore and only just using maybe like, you know, the paper bunting and stuff like that. Ah. Um, so yeah, just starting to go down the whole that whole route now. That's absolutely um, fantastic to hear that you're yeah. becoming a little bit conscientious of yeah. um, the material that we you're producing. Be- yeah, we're helping the people in the planet that we live. How can we not help the planet? And um, so that's wonderful to hear that you're making and creating those changes and make they continue because um, across Ramadan, there was a massive big drive for local masjids um, to make these changes. So it's wonderful to hear that, um, you know, charities are also taking on board the importance of um, being a little bit uh, environmentally friendly. Thank you so very much, Zidane, for joining me this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much. And inshallah, we'll see you guys there as well on your team at the event as well. Inshallah. inshallah. Take care. That was Zidane Qureshi talking to us about the Echoes of the Beloved Charity Dinner and also sharing the fact that they're going to be looking at an anti-bullying campaign and they are really taking on board climate, um, sorry, environmental issues in relation to the way they um, print um, their material. Now, I'm joined by another absolutely fantastic guest on the show Show that's going to be talking to us all about environmental issues. She works for an environmental education charity, um, Action for Conservation, and she's went to a climate justice talk, Zanera Malik, straight after the break. Assalamu alaikum. The number one radio station for Luton. This is Inspire FM. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum and good morning. It's 10.30 um, and I pressed the wrong button. Um, so sorry if you missed a, a, a few seconds or so. I will be repeating what that was. Now, the show you're listening to is The Urban Cube and we are talking non-stop about the environment this morning and encouraging young people to get engaged and involved. Now, there's a project that you may, if you are aged between um, 18 to 25, you might want to gain um, new skills, meet industry leaders and create social action campaigns. Well, then you have a chance to pitch at a dragon's den. If so, Uprising may be the opportunity for you. They are taking applications for the Environmental Leadership Programme in Luton and the Leadership Programme in Bedford. Now, I'm going to be joined by a very delightful young man by the name of Ryan, who's going to be joining me after 11.30 to actually talk about uh, this 
this project in much more detail. Now, earlier on on the show, I had the pleasure of speaking to Zidane Qureshi from um, the Salaf. He's a fundraiser for Salam Charity. And what's really fascinating is it is anti-world anti-bullying day. He spoke to me listening to the fact that it was World Anti-Bullying Day that he's actually inspired to actually run a campaign around that. What was really not even nicer to hear was the fact that he was inspired by, by my forthcoming guest on the show. She's going to be on the show very, very shortly. She's actually on the line right now. The fact that she is paving the way for climate change and justice. That was heard by Zidane and he really, really made me happy by saying that even in his charity, he's been quite conscientious about how they print things and uh, the type of um, material that they use in their fundraising events. So people are really making changes and creating changes, but it is a trickle effect. Um, But my guest on the show is somebody that, you know, is a local Luton lady who's really making her mark across the country with her passion um, for environmental change. So much so that she was actually sat on a, uh, on this Friday, she was sat at a panel at the Green Party conference talking about climate justice. And the panel debate was um, school strike for climate. Where does the climate movement go? Next, who am I talking about? I'm talking about no other than Zanera Malik. Now, she's a name that you might be familiar with on the show because I've spoken to her an umpteen times. She's my go, you know, she's my go green girl. Uh, and, uh, and, so she should. She's a real inspiration. She works for an environmental education charity. Action for Conservation. Um, She went to this conference, this Green Party conference, to talk about climate justice. And uh, she has been on um, the activism side on environmental justice on issues since she was 19, from going to COP21 to COP22. We'll find out what that means. Um, Absolutely delighted to have Zanera on the show this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Zanera. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. (laughs) Thank you so very much, Zanera, from your very, very busy schedule, mashallah. (laughs) On Friday, you were part of the Green Party Conference. Wow. Yeah. And you were sat at the panel. Yeah, it was actually going to be a day off, <laughs> um, but uh, they were they wanted someone to um, join the Green Party uh, panel um, around what you know what the movement where the movement goes from from here, um, and someone to come in from a social justice angle, um, sort of climate justice that isn't as common in the mm. movement. Um, mm. But yeah, it was really interesting. Um, yeah. How are you this morning? I'm very well and uh, even better listening to you and the absolutely amazing work that you're doing. And you really haven't stopped since I spoke to you. It's been a good five years. I've been constantly speaking to you and I've seen you grow as an individual. Um, The way you're articulating these issues are very prevalent at the moment. Um, You know, we've had this uh, 16 year old Greta um, really out there. Uh, a young person really, really challenging our concept of what climate change is. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's astounding that we're having, to, it's young people are now coming forward and airing their voices, making sure that, you know, really, really quite um, articulate and expressing themselves. Is the world listening to them? Are politicians listening to them? 
Um, I think it depends on who the young person is. Um, so I I work directly with young people in in schools, in mm. workshops, we take them on camps, um, and we have that sort of relationship with them. That they're, they're that secondary school age, but the, the, the age that you really kind of you're, you're kind of building up your sort of belief and your value system, and you're like understanding the world slightly better. Um, but one thing I've kind of learned with, you know, with um, the movement recently, with uh, Thunberg becoming um, such an icon, so big, and I think she's absolutely amazing and super inspiring. Um, but one thing that it does stand out to me and a lot of activists um, in, in this sector who are not sort of white middle class mm-hmm. um, is that young people from around the world have been speaking about these issues um, but have not been given the same sort of platform mm-hmm. um, as maybe Greta has, mm-hmm. and that could be for many reasons. And there is a problem in the movement, which you know the movement is very white, it's very middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these voices are then therefore not as representative to communities around the world, especially those that are on the front lines mm-hmm. um, of climate change, or those communities that suffer the most um, from the effects of these, of, you know, of climate with the climate changing. Um, so it's been interesting to see how that, you know, how that reflects in who we decide to sort of push to the front of the movement and see as our icon. Um, and that's not saying that, you know, young people aren't super inspiring no matter who they are. And I think that that's true. I think Timberg Tim has done an amazing job. And she, um, she is inspiring a lot of young people. She's super inspiring. Yeah, yeah, it's completely. I think now that the conversation around that is starting to happen, there's quite, been quite a few articles about other young people and other young actors. Yes who are maybe not Swedish or European, but are actually from the global south, like, mm. you know, countries um, where people aren't white, um, actually kind of highlighting that, you know, this has been happening for a while. It's just that's been largely ignored um, mm-hmm. for certain reason. I mean, the UN conference that Greta went to, there have been other young people that have gone to that conference and spoken um, to, to, the, to leaders like that, um, but have not gained the same effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that, that that says something about the movement. If anything, it just says that we do not take climate justice as seriously enough when it's not us. So when it's not the West that sort of are feeling the brunt of climate change, and it's a conversation that's happening. It's a conversation we had, um, sort of at the Green Party conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's interesting to see, and I think it, it's amazing to see young people come up, uh, you know, grow and build this movement. I think it's amazing, um, and. It's just kind of recognising that this movement has been around for a while now and young people shouldn't have to feel like they, they need to leave school to, to strike, but it's the mm. fact that they feel that they have to because they don't feel like change is happening fast enough, which is really inspiring um, because they are the next generation. There's a lot of hope there. Um, and it looks like they will do things differently, which is really interesting. And it is inspiring um, hearing that young people actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, they wanted to take a day off to go and strike. I mean, my <laughs> daughter and her friends wanted to, but they weren't allowed to. Yeah. And they even got, um, you know, their, their parents actually wrote to the local MP to try and persuade the school to allow them to go and nothing was done about it. But I just oh. thought, you know, well done you guys for actually taking the initiative to showing your passion, mm. but also respecting that you're not allowed to take time off school, which is quite, mm. it was, it, it was quite ironic, really. But um, we're seeing, we're seeing more young people taking note, we're seeing a lot more young people taking action. But at the conference, you know, what uh, the question was, what next with the movement? So what is there? What is next 
Zanera, what is it that needs to be done next? Because the whole world um, is now discussing this. It is on. Mm. Is it? Uh, is it on the top of the agenda? Mm. Um, it's a big question. <laughs> What's next? Um, so, because of you know the protests that are happening, things you know things that um, Extinction Rebellion are doing, which you know not everyone agrees with. Whether you agree with that, those actions or not, they are starting to mm. bring this you know, this, this message, this this movement to the to the front and to prior, uh, to the priorities for the government. Um, but I think now, whatever we do, there are solutions that are proposed, the green solutions that this country are trying to do. So net zero, um, so we want to be carbon neutral and we're carbon net zero by this, you know, by 2050, they started saying, and now they're saying 2030. So that means that we are planning on just so if you know for anyone not aware just in really simple terms it just means that we are um either capturing the carbon dioxide that we're releasing mm-hmm. the carbon emissions that we're releasing to, to neutralize it to, to make sure that there's no there's no extra being added into the atmosphere so mm-hmm. we're either balancing it out in that in, the, in that way or we're just switching to something that's you know green green technology that making sure that we're not actually releasing um carbon emissions um, at all, so the the thing with that is that we have a sort of business as usual approach where we feel that we can continue the way we live and continue our systems in this country um, as long as everything's just you know like solar panels or mm-hmm. um, we're all driving electric cars mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's a whole new bunch of issues that come with that. Um, and that is that these materials still require a lot of extraction and mining from countries in uh, the global south. Is what they what they say. What we say is countries that um, in in Asia, in Africa, um, we might not have coal mines anymore, um, or we might cut down on them. But there's a whole new sort of new wave of um, exploitation that happens in these new mines that uh, mine minerals that go into solar panels and these electric cars and all these green new technologies so it's about finding the, the next thing for the movement to do is actually to be honest about why we got into this mess in the first place and it was through this this lifestyle and this system of overconsumption and we can't we can't just switch where we're getting stuff from but continue the way we are and i think mm-hmm. there was a lot of there's a lot of chat and discussion around that and it's also about the people who are in those industries that are polluting but you know they have livelihoods and they come from families and they're not necessarily rich people. They are people that are working, um, and it's about finding them jobs that will, will you know will keep them going as well. So there's a whole new sort of range of issues that comes with it. And unless we're not any sort of green solution that's proposed, unless we're not taking into consideration the effect of people that are going to be involved in that or people around the world that it you know, ultimately will affect we we can't really come out of this mess so there's a lot of it's very economic it's it's quite it it does seem quite overwhelming listening into this you'd think it'd be quite a simple solution you know stop um just stop over consuming um think about the use of plastic stop using that because that seems to be Mm. the main thing at the moment in many um places of retail where they're kind of looking at the plastic packaging and reducing that straws Mm. have been replaced um plastic straws have been replaced in many restaurants with paper straws um and plastic bag use that's another thing that people are uncomfortable with but now we get used to that idea so what 
when an idea is presented and it's consistent, mm. then people do follow it through. It's keeping that consistency, but it's very, very slow. But long term, it just seems quite scary, the reality of it. And that, um, and also finding, reading articles suggesting that we're running out of time. There isn't enough space to accommodate these massive, mm. big mountains of plastic that are turning into mm. islands. Yeah, I think it works both ways. I think there is obviously individual action that anyone can do, um, and it's about like reducing your personal consumption. But there is a sort of bigger, you know, a bigger, a lot something happening on a on a larger scale, mm. which is these huge, I guess, corporations or companies that benefit from the selling of all of that stuff. That really doesn't sort out any of the issue. Like it's just the same it will cause the same problems in the long on the, in the long run. So it's right. about understanding what we can do, obviously, at a personal level to uh-huh. improve, I guess, our direct environment around us and our lives. Um, but it's also about being honest about how this issue started. And it happens because we're in an economic system that relies on on growing through buying and selling and mm-hmm. extracting and wasting. And unless we don't sort of change the way, the way that is operating, there is really, I guess, I want to say no hope, but there is real, there's really no change on, on a much larger scale. Um, and it is a huge issue. It's super, super big, but it's also linked to so many other issues. So it's linked to the history we have in colonialism and how countries you know, exploit poor people in other countries to extract materials, to mm-hmm. bring them back here, to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know in, to fast fashion, to um, the way we fly around the world. Like that, that stuff all has a part to play in, in climate change. I think often people think climate change, they think, oh, it's an environmental issue, we just need to switch, turn off our taps and switch off our lights. Mm. <laughs> um, and actually, it, it's much bigger than that. It's, it's more about how we become as a world and how mm-hmm. we operate. Um, and it's about but it's one it. step at a time, though, isn't it, Sanera? Yeah, it's having definitely. that consciousness of being conscientious about what the way we consume things. And mm. certain, you know, I'm coming across certain households that have really changed the way they are living, what they're doing, and they're inspiring others. And it's kind of inspiring. But I hear what you're saying. There is a lot more work to be done, and it, uh, and it has to be from the top down as mm. well, rather than down to the top um Zanera, folks you've, you've just tuned in you're listening to my guest Zanera Malik um she works for an environmental education charity Action for Conservation she went uh, to a conference to talk about climate justice she sat on uh, that was part of the Green Party she sat on a, pl- a panel discussing um, uh, where does the climate movement go next? Um, and this was part of also the, there was a, a school strike for climate. Her work um, is draws on experience of being an activist on environmental environmental issues since she was. 19 years of age and she hasn't stopped she's continued for this passion and this drive for environmental education now environmental education um, the charity itself um, action for conservation i recall you mentioning you were doing a recruitment drive for young people to get involved is this is is that still open can young people get involved still yeah, so we are working in around 10 schools currently. I think I am actually working in a Luton school, which is really exciting because <laughs> I brought that to Luton. Um, but yeah, so we 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 run camps every year, um, and that's probably the best way to to get involved. So the next camp will be in the summer, um, and basically um, you apply if you get onto it. Um, it's completely free. 
um, and then you start your journey as an ambassador from there where we can help you sort of develop your skills and it's it's for everyone it's not just for the young people that are interested in environmental issues it's for anyone who you know just wants to do something in the summer or you know they might not have that connection to nature and wants to actually go out there um but it's for all levels all abilities um and that probably would be the best way to to go about it is apply for the summer camp when applications open next year mm-hmm. But also, if any teachers are listening, um, we do run a free secondary school program called Wild Ed, um, and that's for um, state schools, state schools across um, this region. Um, and if you're interested, it basically just teaches uh, young people about some of these issues and how they can then take action as well um, through student-led projects. So if that's an interest point, definitely get in contact. Um, and how do yeah. people get in contact with you? How? What are the social handles for yeah this organization we're on social media so we're on um twitter so that's action for so that's the number four um conserve um we're on instagram which is just action for conservation we're on facebook action for conservation so you can either just facebook message us or message us Mm -hmm. on one of those platforms um or equally email us at info at action for conservation.org um and we can pick that up um but yeah, or you they can contact the organizer. <laughs> just connect them to me. Definitely. Um. <laughs> and your your work is very inspiring. And earlier on in the conversation, you spoke about representation, making sure that it's diverse and and uh, being taken seriously. And you are um, you. What I've noticed in a lot of the converse, conferences and a lot of um, the panel discussions that you've been involved in, um, you might. I think you're one of the only brown faces that I've seen. Yeah. Is, is that are more people of color coming forward, and in particular the Muslim community? Yeah, I think if you talk about the mainstream movement, I, you know, there are times where people like who are not white like me, you know, find themselves as one or you know a very a handful of people in conferences, etc. Um, that are there, and it, it can be quite can be quite daunting because you know they are talking about diversity on these panels. Like nearly every conference, there's a panel or, or, or mm. chat about that, mm. and it's like okay, but something's not working and you've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. Um, but it's not that people are coming forward now. I think there's always been community work. And, you, you know, you're probably aware of this yourself with, like, the, the local gardening that happens in Luton, mm. um, the food growing. There's a lot of stuff on the ground that's been happening for years that, um, you know, people from that community, people from who are BME or people of colour that have been involved in this work for ages. It's just not recognised in the same way as sort of mainstream environmentalism, mm-hmm. I think. It's just maybe faith groups doing some good work in community or... And I think it's now time for the movement. So you asked a bit about, you know, what's next. It's now time for the mainstream movement to recognise these as, you know, equally as important as all the other projects that are involved that take place in, in the mainstream. It's like these are the... You know, this is the work, whether it's linked with homelessness or mm-hmm. whether it's linked to, you know, women's rights, or social justice, all of this stuff. It's still environmental work that's happening on the ground. So there have been people doing this for ages. Um, it's not a new thing. Um, it's just about, I guess, recognising. Like, people need to recognise that it's also environment, environmental work, if that makes sense. Definitely. Um, um, yeah. I'm I wanted to reflect on a quote that was sent into the Rise and Shine show this morning, and I wonder if it resonates with you, Zanera. Um, there is no such thing as impossible um you should read this as I am possible and I can mm. do this. Has there ever been in your journey as an era where you thought, gosh, will anybody take me seriously? Can I really get involved with um, environmental work? Because you didn't go through the typical uh, route of mm. university. 
but mashallah you've been quite a you've been very successful in the field that you're in mm. yeah so yeah that's a really great quote, <laughs> like that quote. Um, yeah so I you know as you know I don't have that sort of university degree um, background qualification and that's because I was a bit of an activist, I was kind of like, I'm not paying the nine grand a year, um, <laughs> getting into debt. So, um, yeah, but I think by not going, I've actually gained a world of knowledge through experiences and, mm. you know, being able to do things I wouldn't have done if I was tied down to a university degree. So I think it's worked out in my favour. Um, but also now that I, I recognise, I think it's really important for me now to, when I whatever I do, to kind of simplify things. Mm. So it's about... You know, sometimes it's not about the fancy words. It's about just talking to someone in a language that they understand. And I think I appreciate this much more now that, you know, because I don't have that sort of background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I want to make it inclusive for everyone to, to understand. Um, and that's yeah, really interesting that you've said that about <laughs> making language so it's inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, so the way we talk about things, you need to mm. make it relevant and relatable mm. to people um, and not make it... Because if we're just all only going to speak about science and scientific terms, you'll get a whole, you know, group of people that will just switch off. Like, we, mm. need, to, we need to explore this through art, through music, mm. through um, speaking, through educational workshops. It doesn't have to be academic only. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be traditional academ- uh, academia. But that's just how I, how I see it now. I think there's a, there's a lot of beauty in the way we kind of share. And, yeah. And you talked about a lot of beauty in the way we share. And what's really interesting is also World in a Beauty Day. So is there anything oh, that is you... It? Yes, it is. So okay. is there anything that you could share with our listeners um, this morning, apart from the weather, which is autumn now and it's very, very soulful, um, which brings out a lot of inner beauty around the environment, mm. I think. Um, any, anything you'd like to say to the listeners about what makes inner beauty, Zanera? Um, I think it's the details that we see in, in, in sort of the environment. I think for a long time what we do is we separate hum- we've separated humans from the environment so mm-hmm. that we don't see ourselves as part of it. So when we talk about nature, it's kind of like, oh, like nature, you're into nature. And it's like, we're not into nature. <laughs> we are nature, mm-hmm. we're part of it, whether we like it or not. So it's about recognising your place in, in the world and how everything is intricately, intricately linked. Um, and just that itself is quite beautiful, I think. It's just seeing how humans operate um, and how humans think and how we live, but also seeing how what our relationship with nature is like. And it's very vulnerable mm. um, to these changes that are happening. Um, and I think the best way to kind of connect with that is, I mean, the way I do it is my parents, my, my family, and like back home, where we come from in Pakistan, it's about how they grew up and how they had that really intricate relationship where they'd like bathe in the river and they'd mm. wash clothes in the river. Like that's just, they had that relationship without calling it environmentalism. It was mm. their life, um, which is really beautiful, I think. And that's where I sort of find inspiration in, in that. It's very much closer to home than we think. And when the washing machines just took over and there was none of that <laughs> yeah. river stuff going on. And that was actually basic living, but that was like a beautiful, yeah. simple life that we would take for granted now um, yeah. because we expect to be accommodated by all the mechanics of, of making life easier for us. Um, once again, Zanera, do please tell us how um, listeners can connect with you just before we head to the break. Um, I guess the best way to connect with me if you're interested in any of the work um, or whatever is probably through my email. So it's just 
Zanera, which is Z-U-N for November, A-I-R-A, um, and then it's at action, um, F-O-R, uh, conservation.org. Um, and that's probably the best way to connect with me. Um, and I'd love to hear from anyone that's interested or involved in work that we, you know, so we can connect. And sort of Fantastic. Build on the movement. Um, but yeah. Thank you so very much, Zanera, for joining me this morning and sharing the tremendous work that you're doing regarding climate justice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome, always. (laughs) Take care, my dear. That was the wonderful Zanera Malik um, talking to us about climate justice and the uh, movements um, on the way forward. Now, we're heading off to a break and we're going to be talking to another delightful guest who's actually talking about um, a Dragon's Den for young people, an environmental leadership. So join me straight after this. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and uh, assalamu alaikum. This is The Urban Cube and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking all the way up to 11 o'clock this morning. The time is 11, as I've already mentioned, and I'm joined by a tremendous number of uh, guests still after 11 o'clock. And we're going to be talking to them about uh, environmental leadership and a uh, virtual reality town called Lutopia, an event that um, is inviting. Uh, the the members of the Luton community to come and observe at the town hall on a uh, on a digitally enhanced town. So I'm super looking forward to speaking to um, Firdosi Nissa Jahan from People Power and Passion um, and also Sophie Greswell after 11.30 about this uh, very exciting virtual reality um, project called Lutopia. Now uh, bringing it closer to home, bringing it closer to home, I'm speaking to another guest um, who's talking to us this morning about an environmental leadership program. Today, I've had great pleasure of um, talking to organisations that have have worked very, very closely um, with changing with changing the way they uh, work in tune with environmental um, responsibility. I've had the pleasure of speaking to Zidane Qureshi from Salam Charity, who spoke about um, the way, the material that they use when they're fundraising. They think keeping things um, recyclable, they're not using balloons um, at, at events, and they're just being a little bit conscientious about what they do and how they do it which is really quite refreshing to hear because obviously the Muslim charity sector is quite big and fundraising is is where we see a lot of waste, unfortunately, too, when it comes to the concerts and the activities. And folks, we do have two tickets to give away to uh, the Salam Charity concert. And the question for this concert is, um, name me one of the Nasheed artists that will be performing at the event. And uh, you need to WhatsApp us on 07779 481 
0800-222-222. We're also joined by uh, the very delightful Zanera Malik, who um, spoke to us about her participation on the panel at the Green Party, where she um, spoke about where does the climate movement go next. And I'm going to go all the way to my next guest, who is going to be talking to us about how you guys can actually get involved in, um, or well, actually not you guys, you have to be a certain age, 18 to 25 year olds. um, And this is aimed at um, enabling young people new skills, meeting industry leaders and creating um, social action campaigns. And in order to do that, you have a chance to get involved by pitching um, at a Dragon's Den. Now, this project is called Uprising um, and Uprising is actually wanting young people to become an agent of change through their environmental leadership program. And they look out, they're on the lookout for green heroes to join this free environmental leadership program. And it will be one evening every other week um, and where young people can meet ex- expert leaders and um, find out ways to make a difference to the environment. I think we need to kind of find out from um, one of the um, leaders around this um, to talk to me in more detail. His name is Ryan Gray. He is the uh, he is part of Uprising. He's a senior program manager of the alumni and um, really delighted to have him on the line this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thank you so very much for joining us on your busy schedule. Now, it's been quite a uh, interesting show this this morning because we've really been um, talking about environmental change um, in so many different capacities. But you are now inviting young people um, to get involved and be part of this leadership programme. Um, is this the first time this uh, an environmental leadership programme has been um, run in Luton? So, yep, so this is the first time we've ever delivered a leadership program that's environmental in Luton. Uh, but Uprising, we've been operating in Bedfordshire since 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for those of you who, who don't know us, uh, kind of what we're really about is trying to encourage young people uh, to become leaders in the community, uh, but not just around politics, but also about becoming school governors, mm-hmm. becoming trustees of charities, and really about them feeling like they have a stake in society. Okay, um, I do apologise, Ryan, for that alarm. I that sounds like the fire drill, so just bear with me a moment. Um, I'm with you in a second. It's live radio; these things happen. Okay, doke. So we've got um, our manager, hopefully, about to switch that off for me. Okay, so this is um, Ryan. What we're going to do is keep you on the line. Um, I before we talk about uprising. I don't want to kind of miss that information. I want to ask you a question regarding um, your your actual role itself. Hello. Yeah, sorry, I'm listening. Sorry. <laughs> can you can you actually hear me? Yes, yes, I can. Okie doke. Um, over that alarm. Now, this alarm, unfortunately, that's ringing is. Um, part of the actual community centre that the radio station is based in. Um, What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep you on hold until that goes. If it doesn't, (laughs) we're going to be having to speak over this. Ah, it's gone. 
wonderful. Hello, Hello, Ryan. Thank you for staying on the line and being so patient. Now, folks, if you've just tuned in, uh, the the blaring sound was a fire alarm, which um, thankfully um, was just a test. And I'm sat here speaking to Ryan, who is joining us um, this morning as part of his work with Uprising. And he's talking about an environmental leadership program, which is um, encouraging young people to take take um, ownership of of uh, their voice, it sounds. Now, what's really interesting, Ryan, is you mentioned uh, getting young people to be school governors as part of Uprising. So, yeah, so it, it's really about, so what Uprising we call big L and little L leadership. So often uh, when we talk about leadership, you know, we, we talk about parliaments, we talk about politicians, we talk about CEOs of big companies, but it's not just about that. It's also about getting uh, involved on a local community level and and often we don't necessarily see young people getting in, involved in that one because they don't know how they can get involved uh, often uh, boards aren't maybe the most inviting for young people mm. uh, so what we're really about is trying to get young people to become school governors so sitting on a board maybe it's the school that they were previously at or mm. or may or maybe it's it's a completely different one uh, but also trustees of schools it's uh, really just trying to get them involved in, in different areas. Um, it, it's, it's quite sad in, in the UK that we don't really have a culture of young people being on boards. It's often seen as something that you do when you're old uh, or if you're retired. And it, there's a lot that organisations and uh, wh- whatever that organisation is can really benefit from having a younger person on, on that board. Do That's you really think, what we try and do. Do you think it's because young people are not interested in these areas or nobody's ever introduced them, to, introduced it to them? And if it has been introduced, what has been the uptake um, so uh, we found that it tends to be something that young people just don't even realise they can do. I mean, we're, we're not necessarily told when we're at school kind of what the governance structure of a school is, to give that as a particular mm. example. Uh, no one is ever really told what a trustee does mm. uh, for a charity. Mm. Um, or, or, for instance, another exciting one is that people can apply to become a magistrate judge. Mm. Um, and again, that's not something that people often... Young people from 18 to 25 can actually apply to become a magistrate judge? Yep, so anyone wow. uh, over the age of 18 can apply to become a magistrate judge. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a tough process, but there are cases of kind of individuals who I think it was two years ago, there was someone who was 19 uh, who was selected to be a magistrate judge in uh, Northumberland, I believe. How tremendous. Um, so, yeah, so again, again, we as a society, we don't necessarily know that, but as particularly for young people, they're not told that. Um, and then, so it's really about trying to get them involved, mm. really feeling like they can they can lead that organisation mm. and really use their skills, their passions, their talents uh, to really support their, their local community. So ultimately, that's what really what we want to do is get these young people to become leaders in their community, represent kind of their, who they are and, you know, mm. what they want to give to the world. And it's enhancing their role as a citizen in their local communities and giving and equipping those skills. And this is something that um, it sounds if you're very passionate about doing. Uh, did you start uh, in, uh, as a participant in Uprising before you became... Uh, um, in the role that you're in now? Uh, no, so unfortunately I didn't. Um, Uprising, so Uprising has, is now 11 years old, uh, but when I joined Uprising five years ago, uh, I, I was living in Liverpool mm-hmm. at the time, and there wasn't, unfortunately, the programme there at, at the time. We operate in London, Manchester, Birmingham, uh, Cardiff and Bedfordshire. How do you feel that um, if something like this was offered to you as a young, uh, as as the younger Ryan, um, it would have made a difference in your life? 
I think massively, yes. I, I'm really jealous of participants when, when I get to meet them because they go through this amazing nine-month program that's kind of one evening every two weeks with no coursework or homework or anything like that, and there's no qualifications that are expected. It's just turning up and mm. meeting these inspiring speakers, mm. and they can range from, you know, kind of your chief exec of an organization through to your community leader, but it's also about they. We have workshops around things like public speaking, mm-hmm. uh, around how to manage a team, how to manage conflict. And those are skills I'd love to have had at the start of my career to be able to have this program that I could reference at job interviews and, you know, wow. I, could, I could use that practical experience. And that's really what the program gives these, these young people is the opportunity to develop on the go. No matter where they're at, they could be a young person who mm. uh, is at university and is maybe in their final year uh, thinking about what they're going to do next through to a young person who's a single parent uh, who is really trying to think now um, about what their what career they want, mm-hmm. about how they can support their family. Uh, a young person who's a, a young carer, uh, a young person who's a care leaver, and they can't, they all come together. And what they're really interested in is two things, which is the kind of self improvement, um, but also supporting their community. Uh, at Prizing, we believe kind of the better uh, supported a young person is, you know, the the more they can give society is ultimately the better for us because it means we get to benefit from that and kind of every young person who doesn't feel they can get involved or maybe doesn't feel like their potential is being reached is ultimately a young person who uh, isn't giving their best to us unfortunately. Do you think something like, like this should be rolled out in schools? I mean it's from 18 to 25 but I just feel that school children should possibly benefit this especially those at high school to kind of give them more direction and work because I just feel that there is still this gap where young people are still quite confused on on their potential. I I, I think it's a difficult one with young people. We expect so much of them at the moment mm, in okay. that kind of that age of secondary school so I think a lot of the skills that we want at Uprising obviously would be great if they if almost at Uprising didn't need to exist and they have these skills and they feel they have the confidence to go out and you know become a school governor or apply to become a magistrate judge or you know feel that you know they mm. can apply for that job that you know organizations stereotypically have never taken a young person like them before um, but also what I suppose we're aware of is that young people are under such uh, expectations now of kind of how they should behave and mm. um, kind of their career trajectory and with social media kind of comparing with their friends. It's such an interesting time for a young person if they have so many opportunities there, but also it's that feeling of that they can access them and, you know, that they are the they are perfectly capable to do them. This program does sound so exciting and I'm so pleased that you've joined us this morning, Ryan, to talk about it because with you mentioning the different types of young people that there are and the different kinds of impacts that... Um, that they might have you've talked about a care a young person a carer a single person a single parent um young person and you know and sometimes you just think that these uh, you you sometimes feel that young people in those areas are kind of missed off but no you're actually bringing young people from all backgrounds together and all circumstances to give them opportunities well we're coming back to the actual leadership program itself the environmental leadership program um how can people get involved and get engaged and what are you expecting them to do when they're pitching at the Dragon's Den? So, yep, so I'll start with, I suppose, the young people. I'll then talk about just any listeners as well, because mm-hmm. there's ways they can get involved as yes. well. And then I'll also then talk about Dragon's Den. Uh, so for the young people, uh, they can visit our website, uh, www.uprising.org.uk, and they can take a look at our uh, programmes that we have on offer in Bedfordshire uh, and also other areas if they are listening further afield. Um, 
and they can it's a really simple just registering of interest and then we send them more information about the program locally mm-hmm. uh, and we arrange a time for to speak over the phone if they want to ask any questions or if they have any concerns because it is a nine-month program uh, so you know there's a there's a long period and there's a lot that goes into it and so we want to make sure that everyone's informed uh, before they take part in the program because mm-hmm. it is it is free for them to take part uh, but it does cost us as an organization just under three thousand pound a place so we're keen to make sure that people stay on the program right um but there's also ways that other people who aren't 18 to 25 can get involved as well uh so we're always keen to find volunteers who are interested in speaking to the young people maybe mm. it's about an organization that they work for or that they run uh maybe they've got an opportunity a volunteering opportunity they want to promote maybe they've after listening to me think oh it'd be really great to have a young person on a board mm. uh, they can come in and speak to our current programs we can uh message our alumni we have 400 individuals who have gone through a leadership program in Bedfordshire uh, on our database, we can message them. And what we found is that one in four uh, are currently involved in the local community. We had four young people stand for local elections back in May of this year. Um, but we've also got young people who are trustees or school governors. Um, and so, so if you've got opportunities that you want to promote, uh, also if you've got an interesting story uh, and you want to come and talk to our young people maybe there's an issue that you want to talk about and you want them to be passionate about as well we're really looking forward for for individuals to come forward and and talk to our young people about issues that are important to them in the local community because it's not about the young people just representing themselves it's about them understanding the needs of their community uh, and and recognizing that as well Um, and where that fits in the dragon's den it's Towards the end of the program, we get all of the young people to work in small groups, uh, typically of between five to seven young people, uh, around an issue that they care about. So we have had groups do issue uh, workshops around um, arts in Luton. We've had groups around mental health, uh, around knife crime. Uh, and it's all about them creating a campaign or a project. Uh, maybe it's an event. Um, we had a group do a, a small music event uh, in Bedford in, back in July around unaccompanied asylum-seeking young people. Um, but again, it's about them picking an issue in their community uh, and raising maybe it's awareness of it, raising funds. But again, it's that project matter, taking everything they've learned on the program and putting it practically into a project, learning those skills that hopefully they can maybe continue that project on mm-hmm. or they've they've learned the skills then to take that on to whatever project they want to do in the future wow exciting stuff um and so i'm sure i've asked you this before but how do you connect or how do people connect with you what is your email address for uprising so my personal email address is ryan r-y-a-n dot gray g-r-a-y at uprising.org.uk uh, you can also find us on our uh, uprising underscore beds on Twitter uh, and uprising underscore UK on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Instagram, again, underscore uprising underscore UK. Uh, so you can find us across social media and please do get in touch. So we are really keen if you're a young person and you want to know more about the program, maybe you're a parent uh, or, or an adult who knows a young person, or maybe you're an individual who uh, has an opportunity they want to promote to young people, or maybe you're interested to support a young person through the program, uh, maybe as a speaker, uh, maybe there's some training you think 
you could offer on the program. Um, please do get in touch. We're really, really keen to get as many people involved in the program as possible. And I think it will really, really benefit um, everybody in the community by this program sounds absolutely tremendous. And um, the program itself is an environmental leadership program. And uh, the purpose of this is to really kind of really nurture the skill set of young people to become leaders of the future. And um, and do you have a Facebook page for Uprising? Uh, yeah. Yes, um, Uprising underscore UK is our Facebook page. Um, I am the, uh, the National Alumni Manager for Uprising, but I also oversee the social media. So it's a good way to get in touch with me personally. Okay. If you drop Uprising a message, it'll be me that responds. Um, and I can tell you more about our program. So with the environmental program, it's a, obviously it's a hot topic mm. this week. Um, and it's obviously a, a growing issue for young people. Uh, but it's, it's an important way of us bringing in young people who maybe care about the environment but don't know how. It's often when we speak to our participants, uh, the environmental sector or the green economy, if to use a, a flashier term, um, can feel quite cut off mm. from, say, a young person from a poorer background or a young person whose parents maybe didn't speak much about the environment. So and it's, the program's a great introduction to kind of the environmental sector, uh, issues around, and it's not just about climate change, it's actually about kind of, you know, housing in the area, mm. about kind of waste, about kind of water, about kind of everything in, in the local area that we would consider the environment. Now, I'm really glad that you've actually... Um mention the point of um, young people from different backgrounds who don't typically would associate themselves with environmental issues because this is what something Zanera had said she found it um, it more of a white middle class area of activism whereas it actually affects everybody from all classes all backgrounds um, and all parts of the world and country as well so I'm glad you, you you mentioned that because I think it's really important for young people and adults to kind of be made aware that you know what is an issue that we all need to kind of support and um, participate on so Ryan it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us this morning um, I know you're a very busy busy man but um, it's been tremendous hearing about uprising and the real difference it's actually bringing into young people's lives and I do hope that listeners who are tuned in today will get involved or share this information on to young people that are looking for opportunities to develop their leadership skills now we are actually re re reaching out to listeners in Sheffield and um, Peterborough this morning on Link FM and Salam Radio. Now, if there's anybody listening in from those two cities or across our other um, sister stations, can are, are there? Is this project does it run across the country, or is it just Bedfordshire and Luton? Uh, so the environmental program is in London, Manchester, Birmingham, Cardiff, Fantastic. and Bedfordshire. Awesome. And this information can be um, found on Uprising for those cities as well. Yes. So yes, so and all the programs operate the same. Uh, they start in two weeks. Uh, sorry, applications close in two weeks' time. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do know someone, please encourage them to get in touch as soon as possible. Wow, how awesome! Um, we are also um, asking this, our guest this morning about this quote, and I wanted to ask your opinion and your experience on it. This morning, um, a listener had actually sent in a quote, and it says, "No such, there's no such thing as impossible. You should actually read it as I am possible. Can you relate to that, Ryan, in, uh, in, in your journey of life? 
Was there any a, a time in your life that you know what you thought this this work or this interest or this um, opportunity wasn't possible? Uh, for, for me, I think it's it's about making sure you have realistic goals mm-hmm. um, and really trying to think for personally for you what does kind of possible look like mm-hmm. um, because for some people whether it's financial limitations or, or physical limitations or whatever it is, sometimes we, we can't always achieve the same goal. But actually, if you move from A to B, um, that's perfectly fine. If you move from A to C, uh, and again, perfectly fine. It's about what's manageable for you. Uh, often, at Uprising, we work with young people who, you know, for, so they at the end of the nine months, they might have achieved something that is something that might seem insignificant, like being able to speak in front of a group of people. And for many of your listeners, that, that might not sound like something that's huge, but for them, that's absolutely life-changing and really puts them on a trajectory to continue improving. So whenever I hear things around what's possible, what's not possible, I think it's always about so long as you're moving forward, so long as you know, you're taking steps in the right direction uh, and always improving. I think as in, as humans, kind of we're, we're, we should always be looking to improve. There's always more we can learn, uh, more we can do, and then hopefully give that back to future generations uh, in whatever form that can be. Thank you so very much. And it's all about giving back. And this is definitely what Uprise is is doing. It's giving, but also hoping to give back to the next generation through the leadership skills of this wonderful cohort of young people that you're reaching out to on this environmental leadership program. Um, Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us this morning. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thank you so very much. Bye-bye. Um, that was Ryan Gray talking to us from Uprising and sharing with us the very, very informative um, programme, the leadership, environmental leadership programme, and getting young people involved and giving them an imp- opportunity to be ambassadors of change. Um, if you'd like to get involved with that, um, once again, the following information um, to, to get involved is as uh, let me just get this for you um um here we go here we go it is right so the program is um environmental it's, it's an environmental leadership program as i have already said and it's about becoming an agent of change and we you can go on to www.uprising.org.uk and they're looking for um, young people aged 18 to 25 wanting to gain new skills meet industry leaders and create social action campaigns and they have a chance to pitch at the dragon's den so if if so, Uprising might be the opportunity for you. They're taking applications for Environmental Leadership Programme in Luton and Leadership Programme in Bedford. You can find out more on www.uprising.org.uk slash Bedfordshire um, and Luton. Now, this programme is also um, accessible not just in um, Luton, Bedfordshire, but Manchester and Birmingham as well. So go onto the website and um, do get involved, do get engaged. I just think it's an opportunity that I wish I had whilst growing up. Um, yeah, so I'm really glad that um, this has been created for 
the young people of our town and not just in our town, but across the country as well. Now, we're going to be heading off to a break. And after the break, I'm going to be joined by a, another guest, um, two guests, actually. Um, I'm joined by Ferdosi and Nisa Jahan from uh, People, Power and Passion. She's talking about Lutopia. Lutopia. And Lutopia is um, a VR gaming projection and um, and it's going to be an outdoor event. And this this is about stories um, through VR. And what's your Lutopia? If there was an alternative future reality for Luton, more to come straight after the break. So join me then. Assalamu alaikum. This is Inspire FM with you 24 hours a day. Inspire. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. We are on the final half an hour of the Urban Cube show with me, Shamiza, taking all the way up to 12 o'clock. On this morning's show, we've been talking or we've been asking you um, about this quote. Um, There's no such thing as impossible. You should actually read this is I am possible. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've turned something impossible to possible? Would love to find out from you on 07779481822. Now, on today's show, we are we've been talking to some tremendous guests who've been really at the forefront of creating change in their environments locally and nationally, from the charity sector to climate change and giving young people the tools to be ambassadors of change um, in industry and especially an environmental um, leadership program. The environment has been a key uh, as a the core of the conversations this morning. Now you can catch any of these conversations that we've had on the 8pm repeat of the show this evening. You can also catch us on Facebook Live and um, on uh, a podcast as well too. Now I have been talking about environments and I've been talking about change too. Now this is a very ch- a very different type of change to an environment but through a video game. I'm talking about Lutopia it's a Lutopia is a video game, a live video game that's going to be played outside the town hall on October 12th between 6.30 and 7.30. And People Power and Passion, the organisers behind this, are asking you to get involved. Now, a little bit more information about what, the, what this project is all about is... The following. Now, this will be the free finale of People Power and Passion, and it's an outdoor event featuring live VR gaming projections and digital installations, music, and street food. Now, what is your Lutopia? That is what they're asking you. So, this is an opportunity for people um, to explore an alternative, alternate future reality for Luton, and they're asking um, what what you think that would be. So over the past five months, People Power and Passion has showcased the best of Luton's talent, stories and history. Now for the finale of this spectacular year of culture, they've turned uh, it over to the citizens of the town by playing a game in which all the content, characters and situations have been designed by Lutonians and also joining a discussion about what would make Luton a utopia. So 
This is a very intriguing virtual reality game all about Luton and anyone can come and play. So you'll be playing in front of Luton Town Hall for the Lutopia VR game play and you can watch your friends explore a future version of Luton on the big screen. And also it's Tolkoki. I've never heard of that before. Tokoki. Um, you can join in debates about the future of Luton in a live talk show format. Sit at a table, take the mic and have your say. And it's an interactive digital installation produced by Luton-based associate artist Sophie Greswell. Um, and also a live performance by From the Best of People, Power and Passion. Now, I will be um, talking to... Um, I'll be talking to... One of the members of the team behind People, Power and Passion um, by the name of Ferdosi Nissa Jahan, who's going to be sharing with me her experience about the project and also her interest in creativity and arts. Now, she is a trainee digital communications and installation assistant, and she's been helping with the People Power and Passion social media platforms. She also is passionate about photography and she's been creating her own co content um, that she's been using too. So it's um, delightful to have Ferdosi Nisa Jahan join us this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Ferdosi. Alaikum salam, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining me this morning. Ferdosi, Lutopia sounds super, super exciting. And um, and I understand you've been quite involved with this project as well. Um, tell us a little bit more of what we can actually expect on the day. Yeah, so Lutopia is a VR game. Um, it's created by the artist Andy Abbott. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually play the online demo at lutopia.co.uk. Um, so over the last few months, We've had loads of different workshops from like Dementia Cafe, um, Headway and a few schools and, and youth support groups. Mm -hmm. So we've reached out to a lot of people of all ages. VR is not just for like young kids. We have, we've had older people joining as well and they've had a really good experience. So um, when you play the game, you those who attended the workshops, you'll definitely see a few familiar faces. Um, I've got my own character in there as well. And there's a few others as well in there. So it's a really interesting game. It's sort of um, looking at the future of Luton and where nobody has to work. So what would you do with all your free time and how would a community work and, you know, just what sort of stuff would you be up to, really? So a future of Luton where if you didn't have to work, um, what would you do with your free time? That is a real alternate reality. Um, yeah. Is there, I mean, there are lots of people who should I say this, don't work. But then there's lots of people who, who volunteer um, and, and don't get paid for that and do that with passion. Um, and other people that don't volunteer or do any work. But you're asking if you didn't have to work and, yeah. and everything was free, what would it look like? Goodness me, that is a very intriguing question. So what would that look like for you, Ferdosi? I think... When I did the workshop myself, um, what I sort of talked about was I think I would spend more time with family and friends mm. and doing more passion projects. Mm. I think with the whole idea of you don't have to earn money or work, um, that takes away from a lot of your time. You've got a lot more time now to um, work on stuff that you want to do mm. rather than what you have to do. 
that would really create a healthy mindset for many a people yeah. who feel quite overexerted from their working um, day or working week. And some people are working like, you know, 48 hours um, on shifts and not having to do that so that you can actually focus on your family and your friends and things that you want to do would really create an absolutely wonderful world to be in. Um, but but that's uh, uh, some people are able to do that, but many others are not because you have to work to survive, to pay the bills. Unfortunately, that is the reality of our time. Um, but this is an opportunity for people to kind of, you know what, create that utopia or lutopia. I found that really quite intriguing. Um, how did you get involved with People, Power and Passion, Fredosi? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I understand that um, digital the digital world is something that interests you and inspires you. Yeah, so um, I've done digital comms for a few of my own passion projects, which is where I've developed most of my skills in it, really. Um, I saw um, adverts for people by passion online everywhere, um, and I kind of wanted a career change from a dead-end admin job that I was doing. So I applied, went to an interview, and I got it, alhamdulillah. And it's been a great experience so far. Um, I've met loads of different artists, um, loads of different other, um, uh, you know, people in the art scene. Um, and yeah, it's just been really good getting involved in a different side that I wouldn't have normally. Wow. So you took, because yeah. the quote that we've been asking um, everybody to kind of, and especially our guests to reflect on is there's no such thing as impossible. It, um, you should read this, this as I am possible. Do you think that's kind of you in a nutshell at the moment with working with uh, people, power and passion? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I was saying, um, I um, left a dead end mm. admin job. Um, so I de definitely um, um, took a leap of faith and tried something completely different. Um, didn't really um, care much about finances or anything. I thought mm. this is something more along the lines of what I want to do as a career. Mm. And this has been a great platform for me to network with more people um, and just getting involved in a local project that, um, that's for local people. Mm. I think that's one of my other passions as well. Um, I studied locally. I went to the University of Bedfordshire. So I am a very proud Newtonian. I really want to, like, you know, give back to my community and just work within my town and help my town grow. Mashallah. Now, you studied English language and li linguistics at university. Yeah. And um, so how did you end up studying a degree like that and end up in a boring dead-end admin job? What did, what were your plans for so, the future? What did you want to do yeah. initially? Um, I was the first in my family to go to university. Um, so... Um, I didn't have that much guidance within the family because mm -hmm. it, it wasn't their fault, but nobody really knew how to um, go through that route mm -hmm. because nobody had it in the past. So I was sort of on my own choosing, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, um, college had their own um, support and guidance, mm -hmm. which I was able to use. Um, English, initially I wanted to go into teaching, but then I realized that wasn't for me. But I really enjoyed my degree because it's definitely more of communications mm -hmm. and, and work in the community and there's a lot of um, cultural aspects involved in the degree that I did, which I really enjoyed. And, and I feel like I am definitely able to use that in all aspects of my um, volunteer work, career and even like on a personal level. So what advice would you give to any young person or anybody listening into the show this morning where they might think that their dream 
is impossible, but it can be possible. Um, what would you wish to say to them? There's no time like the present. Um, I think that's something that I realised during university. If I don't do it now, then I'll po- probably never do it in the future. Wow. So it's it's always worth taking a risk. Even if you fail at something that's still a learning curve, you've learned something from it. Um, I always think any opportunity you get, take it, learn from it and grow. For me, that's sort of how I've developed, really. Mashallah. Now... Um, I had the pleasure of actually meeting you at a scratch performance and um, I was utterly, I was really, it was really inspiring meeting you because, um, you know, you are, you you wear an abaya, you wear um, a hijab, you're actually in an artistic industry, which we don't find typical of our sisters um, working in and I found you quite a, a, a wonderful ambassador for the work oh, that, for, for the way you are and the work that you do and I found that really inspiring do you so how you know your the way you dress has not impacted you in the work or the industry that you're heading into oh, definitely not um I think especially within the Asian community, you're either a doctor or you're an engineer, nothing mm-hmm. else. So for me to do um, my, my degree was Bachelor of Arts, but to do that, I mean, I did get a few raised eyebrows from uncles who whose opinions don't, I don't really care about. But it's, you do get a lot of stick um, within the community for not doing a science-y sort mm-hmm. of um, career or a science-y um, degree. Um, but I think it's important, especially for Muslim women, to be leaders in every aspect of every sector. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way that we can progress as a Muslim community. So I think, yeah, I think that's, again, one of my other passions. And so the your your passion is very clear in your voice and coming back to the Lutopia project, do share with us what this project is. is. It's an alternate reality. It's a VR video game, but um, a, a video game with a difference, share with us more, Fredosi, what our, what our um, listeners can expect um, at the town hall. Uh, is it this yeah. Saturday or is it this Friday? It's this Saturday. Um, Saturday, so the 12th of October. Marshall, it's the 12th October outside the town hall, which will be the finale of People, Power and Passion. It will be Andy Abbott's um, Lutopia project, which we have a local fantastic artist by the name of Sophie Greswell, who has also supported the digital art. Um, this digital project but it's what I'm excited to find out from you uh, Ferdosi is what is it all about? Yes Lutopia is a VR game so from two two o'clock onwards we'll have all sorts going on outside the town hall Um, it's going to be very much interactive and communicative sort of um, feel to the night Mm. so we'll have um, Lutopia happening um, for people to play there's there's also Tokoki that you mentioned earlier so it's sort of like a talk show style pop-up um, table. Um, so we'll have people coming down and they can just, just talk, let us know what you saw about people by passion Ooh. and how they enjoyed the game. It's very much, yeah, it's a very conversational approach 
Mm. Um, to it all really so it's giving people um, a no bars no restriction opportunity to express what they think about um, the project itself people power and passion which has been going on since the summer holidays Um, tell us uh, what uh, about some of those projects and what has been your key favorite one I think they've all been really good. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed um, our last event, which was the Children's Peace Party. Oh, um, yes. It it was in Moldan Park in September. I mean, the weather was great. And then the whole idea behind that day was let the kids run the day. Mm. So we had um, kids from Chantry Primary School and I think Whitefield Academy mm-hmm. um, who helped out. And it was so cute listening to them listen to them say, Oh, I've just finished my shift, I'm on break. So it was really <laughs> cute to hear them talk like that. And they did an amazing job, they were fantastic. And um I think Mary Hearn was the um lead artist on that. So she worked with um I think they're called Rara right. um art from London. She worked with them and they were able to do workshop with the kids um all throughout um at the school term. And they created all the bunting and all the printing. Wonderful. Which they did on the day. And you mentioned that it's allowing children to have um, do shifts. So do you think it's important yeah. to kind of encourage this type of responsibility early on with children for self-development and, and leadership? Yeah, I mean, from that day, it seemed like they really enjoyed having something to do mm. and um it really showed because they were given responsibility and they definitely held honour to that mm. and they took it very seriously. I mean, they had fun throughout the day. Everyone did. It was it was such a nice day. And Wonderful. They were great. They, they were really awesome. Now, what happens after People, Power and Passion? It's been advertised across the whole of the town. Um, yeah. You know, lots of little pockets of projects across, I think, three or four months. I don't I think it was six months. Um, uh, and what's the story after this is there going to be a follow-on project or is this it i really hope so i know that um on a personal level i've been able to um network with a great group of artists so i really hope that we we are able to you know create that a little hub or or like a little collective Mm. um so ppp is mainly for um it's for the luton's city of culture bit Mm -hmm. as up to that so I do think there's still a lot more to come. Um, there's a lot more for um, Newtonians to get involved in. And it does sound as if that lots have been happening across the town, but it doesn't stop yeah. there. This Saturday, Town Hall from two o'clock is the finale of People, Power and Passion, where Lutopia will be um, showcased. It's a, it's a, a piece which has been created a video game by Andy Abbott and Sophie Greswell. Um, and it's an invitation for the community of Luton to come down and and get involved. Now, there are free tickets to this event, right? Yeah. Um, like with all the events I've done, done for PPP, it's all free. And how can people access these tickets? Um, so if you check our Facebook page, um, we are also on Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. So I think even if on Google, if you just type in People Power Passion Utopia, it should be one of the first two um, search results. And we get to see your uh, uh, contribution to the video game. Um, what did you, is there a character that you've created and and what does your character look like and what's, does it, the character have a name in this video game? So my character is me. I thought 
I'll just take the chance and have myself in the video game. Um, I did quite one that. So it's myself, Badusi, um, Spixelated as a digital character. Wow. And there's loads of different characters from Luton. Um, I'm sure um, when you come down, you will recognise a few of the faces, the wow. digital faces. How exciting. The actual Lutonians. How exciting. It does sound very, very exciting, very unique. I've never seen anything like this before. It really is taking you into the future and especially an alternate world where, you know, you're you're living your life for free and you're able to kind of commit to your passions um, and they're at the forefront rather than something that you do in your spare time. What an interesting world. Goodness me. Um, I do think that uh, if, if that was possible, we'd have a nicer society. Would you agree, Fredossi? Yeah, definitely. Now, Fredosi, I want to ask you, um, what's the future for you? Um, you left a mundane admin job to try your luck out uh, with people, power and passion um, on the digital side of your interests. So what else are you getting yourself involved with and how so can people connect moment, with you? Yeah, um, well, I'm on Twitter at Fiduci. It's spelled in a funny way. So it's F U R D E. W S Y, um, and I'm I'm a freelance photographer. Still Wonderful. very much amateur, but that's sort of my creative field. That's something that I'm definitely interested in progressing in. Now, I did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah. Okay. Where did your name originate from? It's it's so stunning. Um, uh, from when I researched it, it's Persian. Um, there was an old Pers- Persian poet called Fedosi as well. Um, but it's my granddad named me, named me, so it's from the Quran as well. Mashallah. So, is there an element of poetry um, in your passions? I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, I would love to dabble. Um, and I mean, I do love listening to poetry and reading about poetry. Um, it's something that I would definitely like to get more into and get my teeth into. Mm. Do you feel that because you've participated in a project like this at this scale, that it's kind of enabled you to have the confidence to reach out and do other things that you may not have done in the past? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think getting involved in People by Passion was a great choice for me. Um, It was definitely a leap of faith that I took. Um, But yeah, it it has been great. And I've, I've, I've met a lot of amazing people. Fantastic. Now, it's also uh, World Inner Beauty Day um, being celebrated uh, across the world in kind of enabling people to kind of focus on the internal rather than the external. Fredosi, I want to ask you, what do you think for you is the de- definition of inner beauty? What is what? Sorry? I'm the, de- the definition of inner beauty. What do you think? Does What does that mean to you? I think that... For me, that means um, having confidence within yourself, mm. um, not really caring about what society thinks about you or um, adhering to Western ideals of beauty. Mm. I think that's something that's quite strong for me because um, especially wearing hijab and abaya, I don't fit in to what a Western image is of fashion or beauty. And I know that and I accept that, but I'm still very much happy in how I look and how I dress because I'm doing it for a higher um, purpose. Mm. And it hasn't stopped you or been the barrier for the interest that you have. And in this project that enabled you to kind of become a bit more steadfast. Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree with that. 
um, yeah, I think when it comes to um, inner beauty, um, it's just have confidence within yourself. Um, there is way more to life than what you put in your face, if that makes sense. I think, and it's, I think if we start caring mm, less mm. about what other people think, we will achieve way much more. And do you think that should be something that should be taught to young, uh, the younger generation, like from a school age? Because I, um, I, I'm just getting slightly concerned with the impact of social media. For somebody who works in social media, it's be quite an interesting question to ask. The influence on the mental health of young people, and especially in particular girls, and their image of what beauty standards should be, and it does seem to spark off from Instagram. Yeah, um, I mean, I've done a lot of social media, um, like for professional use, but I'm sort sort of starting to dislike it on a personal level mm. because it it does impact young people in such a negative way. Like Snapchat, for example, some of the filters that you get on there. Oh crikey! It's, yeah, it's like oh, I, like they make your eyes bigger, your mm. skin is smoother, they thin out your um, cheeks. Thinking it it's really selling a, a bad idea mm. to young people in general even something like oh i mean i wish i looked like that but it's just an image of my phone if that yeah it's not I, I think there is a problem there it's not real is it especially when you're seeing young people not young people but just yeah. people generally actually having cosmetic surgery so they look like their snapchat filter that's yeah. extremely worrying um and uh, i'm really glad that i came from a generation where none of this um applied the only thing we got inspired by beauty was either look looking through the avon catalog um growing up that was like our thing um as children which is quite funny um people there are lots of other catalogs you can look through as well so i'm not brand endorsing there i promise you it's been an absolute pleasure for dorsey thank you so very much for joining us this morning it's been really inspiring listening to your journey um being uh, making the possible out of impossible and sharing your thoughts on so many different things thank you so very much and good luck oh. with the event on um saturday yeah. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. That was Fred Dorsey talking about Lutopia, which has been showcased and aired on at the Town Hall 2 o'clock um, this uh, Saturday. It's a, a free event, but you do need to go onto Eventbrite, go onto People, Power and Passion to check that out and do get yourself down there and get involved with this video game, which is showing you the alternative side of Luton, um, which has been created by Andy Abbott and Sophie Greswell. Now, folks, it is the end of the show. It's been absolutely tremendous speaking to all these trailblazers um do catch the repeat at 8 p.m from me have a fantastic day um do go out and do what makes you happy and passionate assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefm luton